This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later, the new chairman of the Kentucky Democratic Party, Coleman Elridge, will be joining us to talk about the challenges that he faces in trying to rebuild the state party. It was a tough November election. It left Democrats diminished even further in Frankfurt. Chairman Elridge will be with us a little bit later. But first, Lexington is normally a tourism and convention destination with all of its natural beauty, history, horses, bourbon, and basketball. But the pandemic has shut down, postponed, and changed events in a way that has been very costly to the hospitality industry. The local convention and visitors bureau is known as Visit Lex. They're now urging folks to show as much local support as they can as we try to power through and wait for the COVID-19 crisis to turn around. Mary Quinn Raymer is president of Visit Lex, and she is joining us here on Kentucky Newsmakers. Thanks for being with us. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. You know, Lexington is normally such a, an easy sale, obviously, is a beautiful, historic and lively place. Uh, how would you describe uh, what this pandemic has done to disrupt things? I'd say this pandemic has done everything to disrupt the hospitality industry here in Lexington. And um, of late, I have been saying to people who've asked, we have been devastated as an industry. However, we are not defeated. So in the face of some pretty looming and daunting challenges, we continue to be resilient. And uh, I expect that we will get to the other side of this and we will be able to get back to doing what we do best, which is roll out gracious hospitality to people from around the world. Is there an estimate, Mary, uh, of, of how much the, the canceled conventions, the concerts, the tournaments, the other events that have not happened uh, have hurt the economy? What, what is the toll? It is a staggering statistic, as you might imagine. Um, we ran a report just recently, and since the middle of March, when we officially you know, began the pandemic and, and quarantining here in Kentucky, we have lost approximately $105 million in hotel room revenue. We've had 215 meetings and conventions cancel for this year. Um, that also includes some events. And we um, that means we've been about 90,000 uh, less in hotel room nights than typical. So when you add all, up, all that up together, you get 105 million. It's a staggering statistic. And as I mentioned, we are not really anticipating uh, the next few months to be much better simply because it's winter and people are, um, you know, rightfully so nervous about traveling and, and getting together in groups until the vaccine is widely distributed, so. By its nature, tourism accounts on visitors, but there are some things that the locals can do. Uh, you know, Lexington was home to a thriving restaurant scene before the pandemic. Uh, some of that came back during the time that the restrictions were lifted, and now we're back in this situation again. Of course, everybody hoping all that returns, but how much difference can local folks make if they will do what they can uh, to support the, the local eateries and, and some of our venues in the, in the weeks and months ahead? So I think that um, it's gonna be absolutely essential for the local community to step up and support and love these local restaurants and bars and retail shops and hotels, attractions, experiences, anything and everything that um, falls under that hospitality industry, we are gonna need the local support to get us through these winter months. 
as I mentioned, it's going to be um, a bleak winter just simply because of, of how this virus works and, and what that does to people's travel sentiment. And so we need the locals to buy gift cards. We need locals to um, obviously do takeout or pickup, you know, delivery for with, from our local restaurants and bars. Um, I think it's a great place to have a staycation. So we don't oftentimes think about being a re resident of Lexington and staying in one of our hotels, but it can be a fun little getaway for the weekend. I also think that people can buy um, experiences, even if you're not redeeming those gift cards right now you can have them for the future. And that could be the absolute difference in um, a local business being able to survive these winter months. So really and truly, I just implore um, locals to get out there and support all these wonderful signature um, restaurants, businesses, hotels, attractions that we love and help us through. And I know Visit Lex uh, compiled a guide for social media and you've issued a challenge to local folks to help the restaurants weather the storm. And one of the things you said was uh, uh, order carry out and take pictures of their meals. And, and a lot of folks have responded to that. We've had tremendous uh, response. Actually, just last night, we, we launched a TikTok video with a, a very beloved celebrity around town, Rex Chapman, and it's gotten tremendous coverage. And we, um, are hoping that people will share, that folks will find inspiration in a place that maybe they have never been to or haven't been to in a long time and that they'll choose to do some takeout or delivery in these next few weeks from, from some of those spots. So I, I, we know that we've got all kinds of data that says that the social sharing really does drive engagement and actually uh, makes cash registers ring at these places of business. So we hope that um, folks will have fun with it and will embrace it and, and use it to help support our local institutions. Let's try to look ahead. Uh, you know, uh, so many conventions and annual events were canceled for this year, as you said, uh, over 200. Uh, Keeneland, of course, uh, ran without fans. And as you look to 2021, uh, where is the discussion about possibly having some of those events that didn't happen this year? Uh, are people uh, still hesitant to schedule or are you uh, getting some interest? I think that we are getting interest, no doubt. I, I would say that there is great trepidation about the first quarter and even the second quarter of 2021. So for us, we are really trying to focus our efforts on the second half of 2021, as you know, and if you've driven in downtown Lexington lately, you've seen the construction on our convention center that is actually due to open at the beginning of 2022, completely finished which will just be a fantastic asset for us. And so I think the timing on the opening of this brand new convention center is gonna be ideal actually. And we are just really looking future forward with our convention bookings and trying to make sure that when that new facility is online, we've got people in there and our hospitality is back in action in full force. As you talk to people in the hospitality industry, whether it's restaurants or hotels or venues or whatever, uh, how many talk about being hopeful that there is some kind of a government assistance uh, approved in Washington uh, that trickles down and, uh, down and helps them? There is widespread uh, sentiment throughout the industry here in Lexington and quite frankly throughout the entire state um, for Congress to act before the end of the year to save travel and it's it's everything from our airlines to our hotels to our restaurants our attractions um, there is a great need for additional relief specifically the expansion of the PPP program and expanded eligibility for that program and uh, additional emergency assistance to airports. Our hotels need some assistance with some debt restructuring. 
and there is uh, just a sincere hope that Congress will um, be able to get past this stalemate and make some progress toward an additional relief package. It really is the difference between life and death for some of these small businesses. As people uh, do contact and talk about, uh, maybe they'd like to, uh, to get started. I mean, what are the questions they have right now about uh, Lexington's ability to, you know, be itself <laughs> once uh, everything uh, uh, starts to go again? As, and of course, we're probably talking once uh, uh, the vaccines are widely distributed and things start to calm down with the pandemic. Uh, do, do people feel that, uh, you know, the city can uh, spring right back uh, quickly? Uh, we do, and we've seen this, you know, we've never dealt with anything quite like this, but in 2001, after the attacks of 9-11 and in 2008 with the financial crisis, Lexington was extremely resilient and, and was able to jump back pretty quickly. And we are expecting that to be the same for our hospitality industry. So I do think there is light at the end of the tunnel and we remain hopeful about um, life on the other side of this pandemic. We just have to uh, stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting through these winter months. In the meantime, you talk about, and you've sort of made reference to it earlier, these small batch uh, travel uh, visits where folks go and discover things that are right around them that they might uh, not know about and just have, have that unique experience. Absolutely, it's, it's been fun actually. You know, there've been some blessings in this whole experience and my family and I have enjoyed doing some things right here in the bluegrass region that I hadn't been to in a long time or actually had never done before. And we are um, typically, you know, talking to people from the Visit Lex perspective outside of the state. So we've refocused our attention and our efforts here during these, um, during this pandemic to, to be a more local message and to encourage, encourage Kentuckians to get out there and see this state. Um, you might've come across the state's uh, tourism office campaign, which was uh, stay close, go far. And so I think there's all kinds of fantastic experiences that await us right here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And during um, these next few months, I think it'll be just incredibly important to get out there and do the things that are nearby to us and offer support to these businesses. Mary Quinn Raymer, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We appreciate your optimism and, uh, and uh, hopefully things uh, do uh, change uh, soon and pick up uh, in uh, joining us today from Visit Lex. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Bill. Stay with us now in Kentucky Newsmakers. We're coming right back with a new chairman of the Kentucky Democratic Party. Coleman Elridge talks about his challenges. He'll be with us next. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Our next guest obviously relishes a challenge. Coleman Eldridge has taken over as the chairman of the Kentucky Democratic Party after a very tough November election for the blue team. It's a low watermark for Democrats in Frankfurt. And while President-elect Biden won the White House nationwide, Kentucky went solidly for Republican President Donald Trump and easily re-elected Republican Senator Mitch McConnell and Congressman Andy Barr in the bluegrass. Eldridge is a longtime Democratic Party activist. He was a special advisor to former two-term Governor Steve Bashir. And now he makes history as the first African-American to lead the Kentucky Democratic Party. Chairman Elridge is on with us. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it and welcome. Bill, thank you so much for having me. Well, as we said, obviously you must like a challenge. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, here you, uh, you are taking over the state party, having been uh, selected as, uh, as the chairman of the party. Do you first have to acknowledge these are very tough times uh, for Kentucky Democrats? Oh, absolutely, Bill. I, 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 in coming into this role, 
said, "Look, uh, we are we are we are in the we're in the wilderness right now. Uh, we can't run away from not only the election results uh, this November, but uh, the the past probably ten years worth of cycles. We've seen a, a, a steady, uh, slow at first drip, and uh, we've got to acknowledge that. We've got to do some deep soul searching to figure out." how we got off course, and most importantly, we've got to figure out how we regain our voice, how we reconnect with voters all across the Commonwealth, whether you're in uh, the, the, the hills of Eastern Kentucky or uh, uh, the, the inner city of North Lexington or, or, or the west end of Louisville or, or the western end of the state, we've, we've got to reclaim uh, and reconnect and uh, that's that's the challenge ahead of us, but uh, I think we're up for it. And, and that's the thing that any keen observer can see very clearly. There is very obviously an urban-rural divide here in Kentucky. Uh, President-elect Joe Biden carried Jefferson and Fayette County, uh, the state's two most populous, but President Trump carried the other 118 counties. Josh Hicks carried only Lexington in the sixth district race against Republican uh, Congressman Andy Barr. How do you make inroads into the non-metropolitan areas? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I have oftentimes pushed back against the narrative of the urban-rural divide. Voting-wise, that's true. The values that we have as Kentuckians uh, are, are fairly similar, uh, whether you're in an urban area or a rural area. We care about jobs. We care about our faith. We care about... Uh, the education of our children. We care about uh, surviving this pandemic and, and uh, not only surviving it, but understanding uh, what it is doing to our communities, what it's doing to our small businesses, what it's doing to us mentally, emotionally, and physically. Uh, those, are, those are shared values. And I think where Democrats have lost our way is that we forgot to lead with those. We treated voting as a very uh, academic uh, exercise instead of realizing that more often than not people vote uh, with their hearts they vote for the people that they can connect with and feel that will be in the fight for them not with them uh, and uh, to the extent that we used to have that a a as a part and parcel of of who we were as a party we've got to regain that and it's not going to be easy uh, you know when folks can get their news sources from any number of different outlets when we're, we're grappling with what truth and facts are uh, that challenge is i think going to be doubly hard uh, but in the absence of it uh, uh, we we just will continue to uh, lose lose footing as a party and that's footing that we simply can't afford to lose. But Mr. Chairman, to your point, uh, what has happened uh, since the days when uh, Kentucky political leaders like Wendell Ford and Julian Carroll, Martha Lane Collins and others uh, were able to draw a distinction between the National Democratic Party, which might have an agenda that was seen as too liberal for Kentucky and a brand that they all called uh, Kentucky Democrats? Well, you're, you're talking about three of my, my heroes there and, and, and folks that I've considered mentors. And I would actually add uh, my former boss, Governor Steve Bashir. He was able to do that, I, I think, fairly masterfully. And, and really, it came down to our ability to define for ourselves what it meant to be a Kentucky Democrat. I think, unfortunately, uh, we've not ceded that ground to the National Democratic Party. Frankly, we've ceded that ground to the Republican Party, both here in Kentucky and nationally, they have been able to uh, ascribe to us what our values are, what we fight for, what what uh, 
what what promotes us uh, to engage in the policies that we believe in. And, and so we've got to reclaim that narrative. We have to fight back against a narrative that has painted us in ways that frankly, uh, there, there are seldom of any Kentucky Democrats that would fit that, uh, that description. I, I'll give you a quick example. Almost every uh, Democrat running uh, for the House and Senate and even some federal offices this past cycle uh, had mailers sent uh, against them that had them with, uh, you know, engineered pictures with them of, with Nancy Pelosi and uh, AOC, uh, folks who they've never met and don't know who they are. But this mythology that somehow once you have a D behind your name, you are controlled by the, the National Party out of Washington. Uh, is frankly uh, the furthest from the truth. And so we're going to continue uh, in our fight to rebuild, to reclaim our narrative and to find for ourselves as those leaders that you uh, just, uh, just named have done in the past, define for ourselves what it means to be a Kentucky Democrat, uh, support the National Party where we can, but obviously uh, draw lines of distinction uh, against them when we must. And in fairness, the Democratic Party, uh, the state Democrats sent out a lot of mailers that uh, uh, brought up uh, former uh, Governor Matt Bevan and, and tied some of those candidates uh, to him as well. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I guess really the, the agenda of a party is to win. So uh, which way do you go uh, ideologically or are you saying that it is not the case? that you have to choose a path between a progressive wing wanting you to push, say, a green agenda and emphasize the social justice issues and a more moderate big tent party that might put emphasis on other things. So I think, again, that that's, you know, I've pushed back oftentimes about which way do we need to go. We need to go the right way. We need to go the way that the people of Kentucky uh, in every county, in every city, uh, we need to go where they need us to go. And, and sometimes that's going to be uh, uh, building in parts of our policy that are from the more progressive wing of our party. And sometimes that's going to be standing uh, with uh, the more moderate to centrist uh, wing of our party. Uh, when the Democratic Party has been at its best, it's been able to kind of bridge those uh, those sides of our party into uh, a, a path forward that that folks could see themselves as a part of, and, and I think this 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 purity test that we either have to be fully to the left or or fully to the right or or, or squarely in the middle uh, isn't necessarily where people are. Uh, I, I have Republican friends and and, and family members, frankly, uh, that would say, look, they agree with some of uh, the 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 far right of their party. They agree with some of the center of their party. Uh, and I think that's where Democrats are as well, and frankly, that's where voters are. And so we've got to reject the purity test and simply get to the place of advocating for policies and for candidates that uh, are, are right for the people that they are asking for the privilege to serve. If the present uh, trajectory continues, Republicans uh, could even take a registration advantage by, say, this time next year. Is that something that uh, concerns you, or is that a, a metric you're paying attention to? Oh, Bill, it's concerned me since I was 16. So <laughs> I, I am, I, yes, it's something that I, I, I continue to be concerned about. Obviously, we've seen uh, the numbers start to tilt uh, towards the Republican Party, uh, longtime Democrats who have switched parties. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when 
uh, Jim Gooch was a Democrat, and uh, I, I went down and campaigned for him. And, and, and so we have to understand that that is happening. Uh, what we also have to understand is that registration, voter registration, just doesn't happen around election time. Uh, it is a 365-day-a-year endeavor, and uh, we are going to uh, get back to doing that as a party. And I think when we're able to do that, we're, when we're able to reclaim the narrative, when we're able to stand firm as to who we are uh, as a party and why uh, our fight is, is uh, for the people rather than against them, uh, I think all of those things combined will uh, begin to turn the tide, both in the uh, registration uh, advantage that Republicans currently have, uh, but also in terms of our electoral uh, uh, victories and, 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 and clawing back. Uh, it's not going to be an easy just flip of the light switch, but uh, we're going to have to walk and chew gum and, and sometimes hop and run all at the same time, but I know we're up for it. Mr. Chairman, Republicans will uh, pretty much completely control redistricting after the 2020 census numbers uh, come back. Are you concerned that uh, they could imperil even more Democrats with the way those uh, district lines are drawn? Well, I think we have to assume from comments that, that, that we've heard uh, uh, that that is their intention. Uh, what I, I, as the chairman of this party, will simply say is, uh, let's put people first. Uh, ger gerrymandering uh, districts uh, to suit uh, the, the members of, uh, uh, of, of the majority uh, in Frankfurt uh, does not necessarily compute uh, with doing what's right for the people uh, of the Commonwealth. And uh, so now, of course, their retort is going to be, well, but you all. Uh, and, and look, that, that's fair. Uh, I'm going to say what I would say to my 11 and 9-year-old when they say, but but my brother, uh, which is two wrongs don't make a right, and, and getting even is God's job, uh, not yours. Uh, so uh, I, I would hope that in the spirit of doing what's right, uh, now that they have uh, the honor and the burden of having supermajorities in both the House and the Senate, uh, that they will step up to the plate and in this endeavor do what's right for Kentucky, not what's right for uh, the Republican Party of Kentucky. This will probably have to be my uh, final question, but uh, you know, mercifully for many, we have no elections in uh, 2021, <laughs> but 2022 is right around the corner, and I assume that uh, you know candidate recruitment will be uh, an important thing for you. Have you identified uh, uh, potential candidates for, uh, say, the U.S. Senate and the congressional legislative races already? Well, you know, uh, I've been on the job for about two weeks, so uh, I'm just now getting my arms around uh, uh, the, the infrastructure as it exists now. You know, I, I stepped away for a while, so right. uh, I'm getting reacclimated to, uh, to, to, to being uh, daily involved in the party. Uh, but absolutely, I think, uh, again, like voter registration, uh, voter or rec candidate recruitment is something that doesn't stop uh, just because of election day. So uh, we're having those conversations. We're uh, engaging in conversations with folks that are simply interested in maybe taking that step and, and, and doing some education of what that means. I think the party has to uh, really uh, value uh, not putting our thumb on the scale of any primary of, of any candidate, but instead giving all who are interested in running 
the uh, the information yeah. that that can best allow them to make the best decision for how they want to serve their communities and ultimately the Commonwealth. So right. uh, more to come on that, but uh, we're 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 rocking and rolling. Chairman Elridge, thank you very much uh, for being with us uh, from the Kentucky Democratic Party. Stay with us. We'll have a special holiday story we think you'll like before we go. Before we go this morning, let's lighten up and brighten up a little here at the holidays. The Cynthiana home is one of those with over-the-top decorations everybody loves to go see. And our Amber Philpot takes us to her home county and shows us a place that's all decked out. This normally quiet Harrison County Road is busy these days. There's something that catches the eye and has drivers slowing down. It's fun for us to watch people get excited over something that we've done. Christopher and Stephanie Almeida are hard at work putting out Christmas decorations. Well, actually, they never really stop. It's just something that I've always enjoyed doing, and I, I just love watching the kids see it. But what you see in the daylight can't fully be appreciated until the switch is flipped. It takes me about three to four weeks every year. And I've been doing this for about seven years and I've just grown every year. What comes to life here on this four and a half acres is magical. If you stand still long enough, you might just get covered in Christmas lights. Uh, we got about 3,750 lights just on the house alone. But it certainly doesn't stop there with some 40 plus inflatables and even a projector playing Christmas movies on loop. This family isn't messing around. We look forward to every year getting the house decorated and it's just really turned into something amazing. With a light display this big, one that even Santa couldn't miss from above, one would wonder what the Almeida's neighbors must think. Well, the O'Donnells sum it up very simply in their own display. Ditto, we, we agree, that's us. <laughs> I didn't want to try to compete with our neighbor because there's no way we could do that, so. The O'Donnells are not grinchy, just realistic. The two families have been neighbors for years and are amazed by the attraction next door. He always worries that, you know, he's going to offend us. And I'm like, no, I look forward to it every year. Like every year he adds something new. In fact, the O'Donnells learned just how much hard work goes into this crazy Christmas stuff. It took them several days and 1,200 holes later just to put out their clever sign. I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. No problem. We could whip this out like in a day. Nope, not so much. <laughs> Next door, the O'Donnells creativity doesn't go unnoticed. I think the sign was just perfect. From Frosty to the Grinch, even Santa in a helicopter. There's a lot to see at the Almeda house. The glow is like a beacon pulling you in. Trouble is, you might need to make several passes to see it all. One man's gift, albeit a bright one, to his community. And I told him I wanted to fill this whole thing, this whole valley up, and I'm getting there slowly. <laughs> That's from Amber Philpot. And by the way, if you want to go, it's in Harrison County again, off Kentucky Highway 1771, also known as Munson Road. That's Kentucky Newsmakers. Make it a good week ahead.